here's the thing. I did not when I made it, I did not imagine a penis. And then Jesse saw it and she's like, you know that's a dick. (laughs) I was like, well, it's on brand, I guess. Welcome to Respawn Aim Fire's Barf episode uh, for the month of October 2022. You know it's weird how like the years from 20 to 20 2020 to 2022 went by in the blink of an eye but now i feel like it's been 2022 for 100 years it's wild anyway yeah Yeah. this year and last year real slow moving years for whatever reason yeah uh we play a game once a month that you all influence the the decision of we put it up on our poll on patreon.com slash idiots and slash respawn aim fire and you all tell us what classic or retro game or game we should have played that we haven't yet uh that you would like to see us play and who are we we're the kick-ass Reverend gaming podcast brought to you by affable idiots i'm one of your hosts chad michael Ennis. we have our other co-host here adam Polly pocket gumbert how are you adam hey i'm doing good i'm just over here looking at the home alone uh wikipedia page having a good time <laughs> Very good, very good. And then joining us, we have our RAF regular, Alex. That time Ninja Turtles did a Polly Pocket spinoff. Sorry, you're not Alex Gumbert. Alex Cozina, how are you, Alex? Beware of my rules. (laughs) Beware of fireballs, is that what you said? Beware of my rules. That's a a topical reference to something we'll probably discuss on the podcast right after this. Was that Joe Pesci in Home Alone? (laughs) No, it's uh, someone who may have gotten banned from Twitter for reasons. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, gotcha, 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 gotcha. We're here today to talk about Super Castlevania 4, which is a video game that you all didn't ask us to play. But the one you did ask us to play was unavailable anywhere legally, so we played Super Castlevania Four instead, um, <sighs> which was a, a video game that we all played very quickly because uh, it's a relatively short video game thanks to modern technology. We are recording Real this a little bit though. early this month. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I'm sorry, Chad. I'm going to let you get through your spiel, but I would just notice that Alex made a sigh noise. And I guess we'll get there when we get there. But I'm going to say it right now. This is better than Zelda 2. So I don't know why you're sighing. I was literally thinking that same thing. I was like, he was so impressed with Zelda 2. But then he played this and he's sighing. Like, I cannot wait to hear what Alex has to say. I I actually... Wait, 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 hold on. You said Zelda 2, right? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, for a second, I thought you said A Link to the Past. And I was like, oh my God, how am I going to get through this interminable podcast? Uh, We'll we'll, we'll talk about it. But anyways, (laughs) Zelda 2, I can see the argument for, but I I have notes. We are recording this early uh, just because I'll be out of town at the end of the week or end of the month, and uh, it was a relatively short game. So we did ask over on Twitter.com slash fire if you all have any thoughts on the game that you'd like to share. Somebody did share that. So, Adam, will you bring that up while we sure. while I continue to do the rest of this? Normally, we're mm-hmm. a gaming podcast. You can catch us Sundays and on Twitch, on Tuesday mornings, on uh, podcasts and YouTube. But today, we're going to talk about Super Castlevania 4. Before we jump into like our thoughts on the game, we tend to like to do a little bit of background information about the game, um, some like fun facts, release date, that kind of stuff. If you're unfamiliar with Castlevania series, I'm going to sum it up right here in just a couple sentences. There's a family called the Belmonts, and they're very bad at killing Dracula, and they have to kill Dracula all the time. And then they have kids who are equally as shitty at killing Dracula, and they have kids that are so bad at killing Dracula, they become Draculas. So that's Castlevania. So we're here to do that again. We're here to kill Dracula again in a 1991 platforming game published by Konami. The game was originally released for the SNES 
uh, in the Super Famicom and has been re-released multiple times across a ton of different platforms, including the Wii U shop channel, virtual console, uh, (laughs) um, all sorts of things. The game was kind of a a reimagining or remake-ish of the original Castlevania game featuring basically the same plot line of your going through Dracula's castle and getting to the end with some familiar bosses, but some very important changes to it. Alex, if I I'm can take you. the yes. wheel here for you, Chad, uh, you'll be pleased to know that in anticipation of playing Super Castlevania 4, I went and played the original Castlevania as well, because I knew this about the two games that Castlevania 4, a rebake, a, a, a rebake, <laughs> no baking involved here, uh, a remake slash reimagining of the original Castlevania. <clears throat> so I played the original one uh, ahead of time and the two games are not as alike as you would think. I went into them expecting to like see a lot of levels from the original game reimagined, and it's not even that close. There are a few moments, like for example, like the famous staircase going up to Dracula's lair that are, I would say, pretty one-to-one. But other than that, there isn't a lot of connective tissue that ties the two together, other than the basic premise and the kind of basic gameplay and setting. Um, but I mean, it's still like... It, It's not one of those things where, like, I'm particularly complaining, but the two are not as alike as you would think. Well, I'm glad that you took that bullet for us. Thank you, Alex. And thank you for that background. Uh, Some some advancements that this one has made. Obviously, this is the first 16-bit game in the series. It has also uh, had some gaming improvements where it allows you now to throw your whip in eight different directions as opposed to just in front of you or behind you as you had previously been able to do. Um, and it is interesting to note that I'm sure most people listening to this are familiar with the term Castlevania, or sorry, Metroidvania, which is like, it's a, it's a game where you have to unlock certain power-ups to reach different parts of this generally open area. Um, this is not one of the games, like Symphony of the Night was the first game, which is after this one, that really, um, was a Metroidvania style game that kind of helped coin that term. This was what the game was before that, which is a little bit more pure platforming. Generally, it was received well. Uh, has on game rankings, uh, an aggregator of sorts, has an 82% score. Um, IGN, GameSpot gave it 8, 7.8 respectively. Nintendo Power gave it a 16.1 out of 20. What the fuck? What the fuck? Who has well, uh, a 20 point 20? scale? <clears throat> I'm sorry, this is not a 20 point scale because it's much more, more than that. But they rated games out of 20. Yeah. Oh, I like it. stop. I know what it right. is. Right. As it's in point .5. Exactly. Yeah. Several people reviewing it. Uh, there were four people reviewing it. Got it. Got it. Got oh, it. Got it. that's right. That used to be a thing, right? Where like every game had multiple reviewers on it. Yeah. And so some people gave it a four. Some people gave it a 4.5. And then they like averaged the scores or something like that, I guess. Or added them up out of 20. Um, <laughs> And most important of all, Entertainment Weekly gave it an A+. <laughs> All of your trusted gaming news coming from Entertainment Weekly. Uh, That's about the extent of the, like, behind-the-scenes coolness that I got from Wikipedia. Uh, But, Alex, you were talking about some... Not Alex. God, why am I mixing up your names? I even called Adam Alum this weekend. (laughs) Alum. Wow. Adam, you mentioned you have some fun facts from fandom. Uh, What other things do you have that I didn't mention in there? Yeah, this is all about the remake versus the whatever, right? Because Alex brought it up earlier. Yeah. About the story, it doesn't make any sense. So, in uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, because it's just me reading it. <clears throat> because the whole thing about 
it's supposed it's set after Castlevania 2. So this would be a sequel to that, but in ja- it's weird. Basically the Japanese timeline and the American localization are different. Mm. Because there's supposed to be 100 years between all these stories, but right. Simon Belmont is after and before it if you look at different timelines and it doesn't really make any sense. Yeah. It's a very like Legend of Zelda style situation where it's like this sort of cyclical story that's being told over and over with like the same heroes and villains, that kind of thing. Wasn't the, maybe I'm making this up, but I feel like Super Castlevania 4 in Japan was literally named the same as Castlevania in Japan was. Like they like the first no, Castlevania in this game shared the correct. same name. Yeah. Um, but for the Western release they wanted it to sound like it was something brand new and it was a completely different thing and it was a sequel to everything. So they called it Super Castlevania 4 and pitched it as something new. And people were generally upset. They're like, this is the same story as the first one. You're climbing Dracula's yeah. castle to kill a Dracula. Let me read from Phantom specifically. So okay. <clears throat> the Japanese version, they talk about the story and we know it. Transylvania, Dracula, uh, this family mm-hmm. kills vampires, whatever, right? So the very end of the Japanese version is writing, Simon, with the vampire killer whip, successfully defeated Dracula and his demon army, or so he thought. See Castlevania 2, Simon's quest for the continuation. So in the Japanese version, 4 leads into 2 because it's a remake of the first one, story st- timeline-wise. Then we get to North American version. When the game was nor- localized in North America as Super Castlevania IV, the story with the manual prologue screen was uh, modified in order to make it take place after Simon's Quest. This is reflected in the last line uh, when it sa- in the prologue when it says, time once again for Simon w- Belmont to take up his whip, even though technically Simon's Quest would be the continuation. This is somehow a continuation of the sequel. Yeah, anyways. Um, so Igarashi <laughs> says that it's supposed to be a remake of the original Castlevania, but Konami USA was like, nah, it's just number four. It's not a, it's not a remake. So that's where the timelines and shit are all weird. America had such a hard-on for just screwing up the numbering of all its video game series that would bring to the West. Oh, right. Like Castlevania, Final Fantasy. Somebody needs to stop them one of these days. America just hates doing numbers the same way everyone else does. Metric system... Versus the Imperial system. They just hate numbers. Uh, interesting. Stop it. The interesting thing about the uh, name of it, too. In Japan, it's called... I think it translates to, like, Demon Called Dracula or something like that. But when they brought it to the West, they renamed it to Castlevania because they did... Nint- uh, not Nintendo. Konami of America wanted to shy away from anything religious... And so using the word right. demon was like, oh, sorry, nope, we're, we don't want to, we don't want to touch that. So we're going to call it Castlevania because it's a, a castle and Transylvania is really big for Dracula. So that's how the infamous Castlevania name got named. Satanic panic, baby. Satanic panic. Um, let's jump into the game. So I want to real quick, just talk about how we played it and like your general thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs to the side feelings on the game. Uh, let's start alphabetically with Adam. Are you sure it's not Alum? Alum goes after Aluminium. Alex. That's your <laughs> if you if you both came together and and formed a mech like a like a uh, Megazord, you would be called Aluminium. Megazord, I like that. So me, I was gonna play it on my ROM in the attic because um, <laughs> you know I own all these video games and uh-huh. I can play them on my PC with the with the dumps. But uh, there was a sale I saw that Chad tweeted. And I decided to play it on PlayStation. I'm very happy I did. So I played the anniversary collection, the Castlevania um, anniversary collection. 
Um, and I'm very happy because it has safe states. And believe me, stage B without safe states would have Ooh. not been fun. Woof. Let me tell you. Uh, so yeah, I played <clears> it on <throat> PS5 uh, with the Castlevania Anniversary Collection. And uh, overall, I enjoyed it. It was fun. I mean, I know what it was. It's a Super Nintendo game where you like platforming go through the levels. Um, wasn't too hard because of the save state thing, but it was fun. I like kind of like, oh yeah, you can move the whip around. And there was enough interesting things here to keep me invested for, you know, the two hours it takes you to beat it or whatever. Um, maybe a little bit longer, not too much. So I was like, yeah, that was a good time. I had fun. It didn't take, take too long. I knew exactly what to do. It was all right. I, I get down with the Castlevania four. Dope. Alex. How'd you play? Uh, What'd I you also think? played. Uh, I also played this game and also the original Castlevania on the Castlevania Anniversary Collection. Uh, unfortunately, uh, because I live in Canada, I wasn't able to take advantage of the same sale that you directed Adam to. Oh, but it's okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I don't feel like it was that much expensive, even uh, not on discount. Um, what did I think about this game? <laughs> I'm not going to come out front you know, big whip swinging and say that I thought this game was terrible. But this game definitely did not live up to the lofty expectations that had been set before me with regards to this game's quality. I went in expecting another classic from the SNES era, and I got something that I think is a little bit lesser than that. But we will wait just a moment for me to get into that. Sure. I played the same exact way both of you did, except for I paid full price for it in America, um, which was, I think, 20 bucks. But thanks to a deal from Wario 64, I got 15 free PayPal dollars towards it and did that. So I really paid five bucks for it. Follow Wario 64, y'all, on Twitter. Anyway, um, so I played it on that same way, got the trophy. Played a little bit of every single game on that thing. Got the second trophy for that. And then uh, I generally liked it. The only other Super Cast I'm sorry, the only other Castlevania game I've ever played is Symphony of the Night, which we played for Barf several years ago, uh, which I loved. And it was a surprise to me when I started playing this one and realized this was not like Symphony of the Night in terms of like, you know, the, the Metroidvania style. But I enjoyed it regardless, and I was very surprised by a lot of the mechanics and the the levels themselves and some of the boss designs and that kind of stuff. So uh, I generally am favorable when it comes to this game. As, as kind of my feelings on it, but there are certainly some things where I was like, oh, yeah, I don't think I want to play any more of these types of games because of some of these things. So, we all kind of have our baseline now. Let's jump in and talk about, I want to start with some of the like overarching like level design and that kind of stuff. What were some of your favorite moments and least favorite moments in terms of like in the levels, some cool things that stood out to you? And I will start by saying the, the I think it's stage four? When everything yeah. starts rotating around you and the whole castle starts rotating and then you're on the platforming section and like the background is like, in a, you're in like, oh, a, like a tumbler. Yeah. yeah. I will that say. blew my mind. It was great. Both those moments, very cool. The, the part where you're in the like tumbler slash barrel slash cylinder still looks really good to this day. I was a little bit shocked that those were the only two moments in the entire game that use the SNES's mode seven in that way. Because it's one of those things where whenever people show footage of Super Castlevania four, they always show those two scenes because those two scenes are like the most impressive scenes from the game. And then you get to them and it's like, OK, cool. These are exactly as they've been represented in the trailers. And that's it. No more other scenes like that in the entire game. And it's like, oh, kind of like those. Kind of like those. 
But I, I mean, I'm you know, not 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 complaining about what was there, but. Oh, for me, I'll give a negative because overall, I do I did enjoy most of the game, and I think all my issues with this game are stage B, because again, NES games were made. I mean, honestly, if you knew how to play this game, you'd be this game in like an hour. Like I yeah. saw like not even speedruns, just playthroughs on YouTube that were like an hour and fifteen minutes. That's with all the cutscenes and stuff, right? The problem is this this entire NES Super NES era was like, hey, you know, these cartridges were like eighty bucks. We've got to make sure that people are getting their money's worth because 80 bucks back in that day was like $500 now, you know? <laughs> uh, so it feels, especially, so it's stage B, which is the last stage of the game. Yeah, do we, um, know, do we know why it was named B? I assume I don't know it, why like the it went last one through nine and, and then suddenly it was A and B. And I assumed it was just like double digit Can't Roman numerals or double digit numerals like would fuck something up systematically. I don't know. I have no idea. It was weird. But that last stage is. It feels like an arcade game where it's like, well, we've got to make them spend quarters, right? Because the rest of the game, it's like you can see where, and thank God for that that save system, where it's like, yeah. yeah, you go through it. This is you know part two of World Four and da da da, and it's fine. But then you get to the last part, it's like, all right, you're gonna do the hardest platforming puzzle in the game, which is you're just going up those stairs that fall apart as the blade from the bottom instantly kills oh, you if it yeah. touches you. Yeah, uh, which it's not even hard, but it's just like. I'm platforming by going upstairs, so you have to always remember to hit up when you hit stairs and all that. And then it's just like, here's four boss fights in a row. Um, so I'm like, yeah, if I did not have save states and playing this on the Super NES, most of my time would have probably been spent on this last stage, and I just felt like it was made... It felt like cheese, because they had to make you get you know, your money's worth of the game. I do like the boss fights. They're cool and all that, but like, no, this is... All right, if kids get here too quickly, let's make sure to fuck them up real quick <laughs> <laughs> so they can't beat this game too fast. That's how. So, I'll, again, I just don't like the way that it felt like it was specifically like intentional that they were like, hey, let's do some BS right now. Yeah, I feel like in that one in particular, I, I feel like in general, this game could have, had we not used the same, the save state system, could have like a almost a Dark Souls type difficulty reward type of thing like if you can if you can remember all the enemies and where they are and how they're going to attack you and all the platforming well enough that you can get through that whole thing and beat the boss without dying i imagine that feels great just like after you beat a mm. boss in, in dark souls or something like that but nowadays it does feel like no this just feels cheap it feels like yeah you're gonna you're gonna have people coming out of nowhere a bat flying out of the fucking space at 90 miles an hour that is impossible to see coming and it's going to fuck your day up or those fucking stairs. Uh, if there are, there are oh several God. terrifyingly awful things in this world. There's genocide. There's all sorts of really bad things, but those stairs in this game are some of the worst things on the planet. Y'all first, the fact that you're right, you have to hold up in order to even go on them. It's but then like you, can't you, you think that they would have solved that, that you think they would have figured out a better way to do that coming off of the NES. But they're like, no, we have to keep doing it like this. You don't. You yeah. don't. Yeah, it was awful. And then the fact that you couldn't jump while you're on the stairs. So if something's flying at you, you have no way of, of avoiding it or dodging it. So that, that sucked. Um, also, if you jump down through stairs... No matter what's actually underneath you, if you hit the bottom of the the screen, you die. Oh, like you yeah. Just fall. That was obnoxious. Like, I know I, there was literally just a platform two pixels lower, but because we I missed a jump it. three feet in the air and I miss it, I'm instantly dead. 
The only the only exception to that, which I thought was really weird, you know the part where you're like you're hanging on to something with your whip and it's like rotating up and down, like mm-hmm. you're on a on mm-hmm. a little conveyor belt. If you yeah. hang on to that thing and then you go down off the screen, you don't die as long as you keep hanging on, and then it will bring you back up. I did that twice because I missed hmm. a jump hmm. somewhere. Hmm. Um, yeah, that was obnoxious. Yeah, uh, to kind of like summarize sort of my overall experience with the game like the first four or five levels not that bad definitely had their pain moments here and there not going to say they were the worst thing ever uh once you get into the castle with like level six onward i feel like the game just really grind uh, starts to kind of grind my gears and i really abuse the hell out of the save state system you know you guys already previously brought up the dark souls games and after I had beaten this game, I was kind of reflecting on the kind of like really frustrating difficulty with the game that I had just experienced. And like, I feel like in the modern era, two games that people often point to as examples of hard games done right are Celeste and again, the Soulsborne games. And I feel like what those two games do really well is like those games are, can be played hardcore if you want them to be played hardcore, but you can also sort of enjoy them on a casual-ish level, and there is a nice and steady ramp to playing them in a more hardcore fashion if that's more to your liking. In the case of Celeste, for example, those uh, each individual screen uh, in that game is incredibly challenging and will really kind of push your platforming skills to their limits, but you will always restart at the beginning of the screen. You don't have finite lives that result in you being cast all the way, way back to an earlier point in the game, which makes it a lot more just tenable and enjoyable. And if you want to play the game like never dying, that option is there for you to do, but it's not something that you're kind of forced to do. Meanwhile, with the Soulsborne games, like while obviously there is a degree of kind of rote memorization involved in getting through those game stages, those games do offset that by allowing you to grind. Those games allow you to kind of level up your character, level up your abilities, and theoretically do that long enough that you can kind of cheese a lot of areas that would otherwise give you lots of trouble. Obviously, this only works to a certain degree, but like the option in those games to kind of like play them a little bit more on easy mode is there through that uh, means of grinding. And I just felt like with this game, this game didn't have either of that this game very much was hey you better get good you better know how to like overcome these pixel perfect jumps where if you accidentally land in just the absolute wrong way you're going to get killed by these spikes that are unnecessarily and needlessly strewn everywhere about in this crazy weird dungeon that's all the way in level eight that will instantly kill you and it just i just walked away being like this is just not something that i I jive with at all, to be honest. Yeah, those 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 pitfalls of like the spikes and the the combination of all of it, the stairs, the randomness of some of this. Like I think about in in I guess it was B when you're climbing up the tower and the platforms are flying diagonally and you have to jump on them but avoid the spikes mm. on the top right corner of the screen, like. Those don't spawn in the same pattern every single time. And sometimes they spawn in a way that you can get across. And sometimes they spawn in a way that you can't get across without dying. And, like, that kind of shit feels cheap to me. So that's, uh, like, that kind of stuff um, kind of soured the experience a little bit. But I felt like overall still I had had a good time with it. 
because I was able to use that safe state system. And like you, Alex, yeah, by the end of it, I was spamming it every 15 seconds. At the beginning of every new screen or every new area that I walked into, I was like, all right, save state here, just in case. And then I get to the end of it, like, save state here, just in case I go to the next screen and something immediately kills me there. Um, but yeah, generally, generally I had a pretty good time with it. I will say, the last thing that I did love, because uh, again, very straightforward, I do like... <laughs> How you can walk through those gates at the on the first level and you never do that. That's another thing that you never yeah. do again is like go in the background and then never end. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love that all the bosses in this video game are just fucking spirit Halloween costumes. You literally fight <laughs> yeah. a spooky wolf, yep. a, a skeleton man on a skeleton horse, the mummy, Frankenstein, all of that. It's just like, hey, yeah, what, what's, the, what's the universal like public domain monsters? They're all bosses. Had a great time with that. M my favorite yep. one was the bat that's made out of gold that flies around that splits up into three smaller itty bitty bats towards the mm -hmm. end. I, I actually, to be honest, I like the design of a lot of the bosses. I felt like a lot of the early ones were pretty easy to just get through by like repeatedly just spamming your thing over and over. What I liked about the gold bat is with that one, you actually have to be very kind of situationally aware of where you are proportional to it. Because every time you strike it, it emits gold that will hurt you. And so you can't just hit it kind of nilly-willy. Um, and yeah, I thought that boss was probably my favorite one. Because all, all the bosses that come after it are, like, I mean, much more harder, which is what I wanted out of the game, but a little bit too hard, as we discussed. One thing I will remember to do, I, I always forget when we play these like games from this era how important the manuals are to these things and like mm. i remember the very first time that i realized that when we were playing super metroid as one of our very first barf games and i was like how are you supposed to know that a super that you have to shoot this door five times or three times or whatever it is with a regular missile before it opens up there's nothing telling me in the game no visual and it was oh it's in the manual it tells you to do that and i was like oh fuck well i didn't read the manual so uh, I had those same kind of things that happened with this game too, where like it wasn't until literally the final boss battle with Dracula that I realized what those runes, like the two and the three rune that you pick up, the, the Roman numerals, yeah. had no idea what they did. I just kept picking them up and I assumed that they were just like extra score modifiers or something like that. And then I got the Dracula cheese at the end after watching a YouTube video and I was like, oh, you can throw shit three times with those things? What? I, I had this, I had that, I had... Um, I had no idea that the whip was upgradable. Whatever those, the morning stars or maces or whatever you're picking up. I, I was like, oh, what is this weird fucking broken chandelier I'm picking up? I don't know. And I'd use save states enough that like I never had the leathery whip one. And so I was like, I don't know <laughs> what these things are, but I keep picking them up. Oh, well. And yeah, it turns out they're just upgrades for your whip that I had no idea about. So anytime, remind me, next time we play like an old ass game from this era, I'll be like, Chad, read the manual before you jump into this thing because it's probably going to answer a bunch of questions for you. Chad, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to ask you to do a thing I'm not going to do. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> don't worry about that, bud. <laughs> um, I think that's about all. I oh, d speaking of that final boss fight with Dracula, did y'all cheese him? Did y'all did y'all do the secret? The secret there at the end, under the stairs. Don't lie. I did not know about that. I saw that when I watched a video yeah. of someone beating the last bosses. Same. I never saw that though. You never saw, did you, that means you didn't get it when you beat the boss? You just beat him regular? Hmm, yeah. Damn. My bad, I'm looking at chat. Someone's talking about me making uh, a mean, dirty rice. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> um, but no, I got Dracula through the, I watched a, 
a little video and like, this is the way to do it. And I just happened to have the little boomerangs or whatever with yeah. the three. So I just basically cheesed it the way that the guy in the video did it. I was like, all right, there we go. But yeah, I was not aware that there's just like 1,800 pieces of chicken and a bunch of hearts underneath <laughs> <laughs> underneath an invisible platform underneath uh, the final boss thing, which is pretty cool. Yeah. I definitely had to get that. I went in regular style and tried to kill him. But like his first phase where he shoot every time you hit him, he shoots out the fireball that splits. And like that is the hardest phase of all the phases. Like everything after that is really easy to dodge except for those things. So I was like, God, here it's like six of them or like they go in a circle. It's like, oh, it's a bullet hell now. That's great. Yeah. And I I was like, how the hell am I going to beat this thing? So I looked up a strategy and I realized, oh, if I would have just hit him like two more times, he would have been a lot easier after that. But yeah, I found that cheese and I said, yes, please. Nom, 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 nom. That's how you did it? <laughs> yep. I just ate all that chicken. Nom, 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 nom. All those hearts. Nom, 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 nom. I also, speaking of things I didn't realize, because I, I hadn't played a Castlevania game in a very long time since Super since uh, Symphony of the Night, I had no idea what hearts were doing. <laughs> yeah, I was like, this isn't healing me. What's going on? I know, right? Yeah. And then and maybe it was around stage seven or eight that I tried to use an item, and I couldn't use the item anymore. I was like, what the fuck's going on? And then I realized, oh, hearts are like ammunition. I had no Kid idea. Icarus. Kid Icarus is the other big game from that era that does the exact same thing. Hearts are like your currency in that game. It's wild. Wild. Interesting. I do, if you guys are done, I do have, he's also in the chat, but uh, Manly Brian wrote in on Twitter to tell us his feelings yeah, on Supercast. Yeah, tell me Manly Brian. Brian from uh, Time to Die Podcast Network. They do a bunch of uh, a tabletop role-playing <sighs> uh, podcasts. You guys should check them out. They're really good. So here it is. Brian says, <clears throat> we asked him, uh, let's see, playing Super Hot Castlevania 4, what are your, uh, send us your thoughts. And there's a horse going really fast. Uh, let's see, so this <laughs> is, these are both from horse. Brian. <laughs> Two-legged horse going super fast. Uh, these are both from Brian. Uh, I guess I do have, uh, I guess I do have one obvious thought. I thought the multi-directional whipping, and I never got to, uh, wait a minute. I love the multi-directional whipping, and I never want to go back to the original regular Castlevania whipping. Yeah, that's, I love how... Again, different directions, and then you just hold it, and it's great because I don't have a D-pad. I actually have a real thumbstick, just flipping that little bastard back and forth. Because <laughs> that's how you get rid of uh, projectiles. If you just flip it around, you'll destroy projectiles coming yeah, at you. Yeah, I didn't know that until about so an I'm hour just, ago. Eh, flipping those bad boys around in front of me and going after people. I think that was really fun. Yeah, the multi-directional thing, I didn't realize that that was such a big deal. And then when I went back and played a little bit of every other game for that last trophy, I was like, oh fuck. You can only throw your whip in front of... This sucks. This is terrible. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. it's a big deal. Uh, and the other thing you said, um, it's the Castlevania that he's currently playing, so I haven't developed any thoughts yet, other than it took me way too long to realize I could enter the fence background, or fence gates in the background, <laughs> which, yeah, the very first level, you have to, because you literally can't jump over that pit. And it's the only time that you can walk through a fence. But, uh, yeah, so that's uh, what Brian is saying. He was in chat. Thank you, Brian, for all that good stuff. My final thought on it is that I think I think I would have been much higher on this game had the platforming felt your character if your character feels way too heavy and sticky to me it felt like mm-hmm. especially if I'm jumping up onto a high platform and then I like I literally yeah. like stick to the corner of it for a second before I'm able to jump again and for, and I hadn't expected that coming off of like all SNES platforms Donkey Kong Country feels really smooth and fluid Super Mario like oh yeah on all of those platforming it's like when you I think one of the the things that I, I realized was most telling about how good it feels is I was hearing something about Mario and you know if you keep hitting forward and then you let go Mario doesn't stop 
he scoots a little bit and then comes yeah. to a stop. And like I feel like that was missing from this game. This felt really, really heavy and kind of gross. So that's what's keeping me from... And that's something that I had not experienced with Alucard in Symphony of the Night, which he's much more agile um, mm. protagonist too than this game. So I think that sole thing, the feel of the character jumping and platforming is what's going to keep me from playing any of the rest of the Castlevania games. Yeah, my kind of like final thoughts on the game are, you know, it's funny you kind of criticize the game, Chad, for feeling like very sticky and icky. I actually like that's actually the one thing about the game that makes me kind of understand why this game is so revered, because the game has a very specific feel to it that I can like just holding it in my hands and moving Simon Belmont around like I can almost intuitively like tell, oh, man, there are like people out there that like this specific feel of platformer just speaks to their soul like i can tell that there are people out there that like probably really really love that and if you're one of those people out there like you know total respect to you you know uh live what you want to live do what you want to do play what you want to play i just don't know that this game is a good candidate uh as a like 1001 game that you have to play kind of game or like one of the games that is like part of like the canon of like uh, undeniable video game classics in the way that people kind of uphold it as being i just feel like the ways in which you know as previously discussed it's kind of dated in terms of the way that it doles out difficulty uh, are you know it it just it really kind of holds it back and if you're down for that i mean kudos to you but after beating this game, I like went online and looked up like impressions other people had of the game. And it what really kind of stuck out to me is almost uniformly, everybody loved the game and everybody that loved the game was somebody who had like exhaustively, extensively played the other Castlevania games prior to playing Super Castlevania 4. I didn't find a single person that was like, oh man, I came into this as somebody who was like a Castlevania neophyte and like I really got a lot out of it. It seems like this game is... One that's kind of just for the people that really uh, were struck by the stickiness of the series. And again, more power to you, but I'm not one of those people. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. I Going before I had played this, but after playing Symphony of the Night, I had this like, what if? Like, oh my God, I've missed out on an entire huge IP with Castlevania. And I now want to go back and play all of them. And after playing this one, I was like, oh no, I played the best one already and uh i don't think i need to play anymore so <laughs> if they're if most yeah. of them are like this except for the game boy games apparently they're all like the metroidvania style like then i think i'm okay yeah it was interesting to hear alex at the start um because anyone i've ever talked to and again i'm you know i'm sure there's absolutely people who defend this game and say it's great anyone i've ever talked to is like oh symphony nights the is the good one so play that one and don't play the other ones i've never heard anyone say super castlevania is the best one you need to play it so I was oh, kind of shocked wild. when you were like, I, I heard I, so much about this game. of like, I've never heard anything about this video game. I've only heard of Symphony of the Night. The so reason I chose this one is because it was at the top of so many lists. It was like, what are the best Castlevania games? And this was like one or two on most people's lists. The best ones are Symphony of the Night and then Lords of Shadow 1. That's the best Castlevania That's game. The, after, so I just watched an hour-long history of Castlevania um, on from GameSpot. I watched it on YouTube right before this this podcast. And that's the only other game that I feel like I want to play eventually is Lords of Shadow 1. Mm -hmm. Everything else I'm like, meh. Or some of the Game Boy Advance games, maybe. 
Yeah, it, it seems like this game kind of has this game kind of exists in the same position as like the, the, the like 2D Metroid games versus the Metroid Prime games where like a lot of people really love the Metroid Prime games when they came out. But you still had that contingency of people that were like, hmm, the, the Metroid games were better when they were 2D games. Like, it seems like there's still to this day a lot of people that like just prefer that like traditional, like very linear non Metroidvania style Castlevania game. And this game is sort of like the one that they kind of hang their hat on because it was, you know, at the time, it's the the most polished iteration of the franchise under that kind of design philosophy. Those people have bad taste. <laughs> <laughs> and his Dracula would say, those people taste the bad. Because <laughs> he's a vampire and he eats, he sucks their blood, get it? Well, that's it. Uh, that was our thoughts on Super Castlevania 4 uh, for our barf, which is backlog accomplishment with Respawn and Friends. In in keeping with Respawn Aim Fire tradition, November and December will not be a barf game month traditionally. It will instead be a let's catch up on game of the year kind of thing. Um, so I, last year, we, we'll talk about this offline, but but we, we might end up doing a thing where like, hey, pick a game that you want us to consider for game of the year for sure and we'll make sure we get that one done um so there, there might still be some kind of voting aspect to it but aside from that we're going to be returning to a regular ass barf in ass barf gross uh in january all right pee pee poo poo indeed matt from ri in the chat pee pee poo poo indeed all right folks if you're watching us on twitch.tv slash affable idiot stick around uh we're gonna be restarting the stream here in probably about 10 15 minutes where we will be back with our regular weekly episode oh alex as our raf regular who's not contractually obligated to be here every single time thank you for being here how can people find you uh what are you doing nowadays over on twitch.tv slash cozy bear live that i just spoiled for you uh, you actually got the link entirely correct, which I definitely appreciate. Uh, yes, thank you, chat. You can find me over on twitch.tv slash Live. I've been playing through a Pokemon Platinum Nuzlocke run where I can't use any items in battle, so if that's of interest to you, go and check me out there. Also find me on Twitter at Alex Kozina, A-L-E-X-K-O-Z-I-N-A. Dope. All right. We'll see you all later. Toodles. Oh, toodles. <laughs> Boo.